Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Welcome back to Unlocking the Truth. It is week four of the study in the book of James. Hope you're enjoying your study. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. We have covered a fair amount Mm -hmm. in the first three or four, uh, three weeks actually, covered the overview, went through the whole book, didn't we, Derek? Yeah, front to back. Chapter one, we've covered over two weeks. We've looked at our response in trials, how to have God's perspective in what uh, comes upon us. What else did we look at in chapter one? Well, we, we talked about uh, about what it means to be doers of the word rather than just hearers of the word. Uh, we talked about uh, deceiving ourselves when we blame God when things get hard. And uh, we had a little bit of a look at uh, what James calls pure and undefiled religion. Good. I wanted to start our week uh, this week at going back to chapter one. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, if you're studying and you're using marking symbols, I like to use the dollar sign for uh, any symboli- symbolizing money or status for, for the rich. And in chapter one, verse nine to 11, there's a contrast. And the contrast is between uh, that of a person of humble circumstances and that of a person who is rich. And what I'm starting to understand about the book of James, it seems that chapter one is an introduction to the entire letter. Mm-hmm. He addresses a number of things in chapter one. He talks about the rich. He talks about about the tongue and speaking slow or yeah, slow to speak, slow to anger. He talks about being doers of the word. And all of these things are sort of like, in my personal feeling, I feel like feel like he's hitting on them initially in the letter as a part of his introduction. Right. And then the chapters that follow, that we'll continue to look for, then tackle that certain problem head on. Mm-hmm. And so what we've got here is in chapter one, verse nine, a brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. We looked at that last week um, in the podcast with, well, you need to have God's perspective right. on where you are, that God doesn't care about your financial status, and therefore he cares more about your spiritual position in him versus how much money you got in the bank. And then in verse uh, 10 and 11, uh, the rich man needs to uh, humble himself uh, because if he puts all of his glory and all of his riches in his in his wealth, well, all that's going to pass away, and actually, so is he. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be a part. And then we come into chapter two, which is where we're going to spend our time this week on the podcast. Chapter two, verses one to thirteen. We've got this sort of cushy, um, warm. Hey, buddy. Nice little, nice little greeting. Yeah. Hi, my, brothers. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. And then in verse 2, we come back to that, whoop, there's that dollar sign again mm. of reference to the rich man. But I think it's important that before we head into that that topic of favoritism and, and richness and rich man, what's the connector? What's bringing us from 
chapter one, the end of chapter one to chapter two. Yeah, he finishes chapter one by uh, saying uh, religion, if anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Uh, and then Paul does a favor, does us, a, or sorry, James does us a favor by saying what pure and undefiled religion is, and it is in the sight of our God, the Father, is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now we move into chapter two, and what he is showing us is an example of how uh, these Jewish believers have not been practicing pure and undefiled religion. They haven't been focused on the visiting of the widows and the orphans. Uh, they're paying more careful attention to those in their midst uh, who, uh, who James says are wealthy. A man who comes into your assembly with a gold ring, dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes. You pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit by the footstool. So he's giving us an example of how these Jewish believers have been uh, not, uh, not working and not living according to a pure and undefiled religion. Theirs is becoming uh, worthless because of how they are treating one another. And that's really one of the things that I think we really want to look at is this whole thing about money mm -hmm. and man money you just need money yeah you know that's how you survive yep. and you pay for things some people are blessed with more money than mm -hmm. others mm -hmm. and i think the problem is here that what we want to set as a standard is we are not talking about people that are in the world that have a lot of money and millions of dollars that don't hold the title of child of God. Right. And so this is within the church, mm -hmm. within the synagogues, within the body of Christ, we've got people here that are showing personal favoritism. Mm -hmm. And so I think we want to look at two views. The first view of these verses is what is our view of money? Mm -hmm. And then the other part of it is what is God's view of money? Right. Because if it starts there and we know what our view of money should be and what that looks like in the world now compared to what God's view is, uh, if our perspective changes, so does the way people are treated within right. the church. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's look at the our view of money to start. And so give me some verses, Derek, about money. What does the Bible tell us about money? So the scriptures uh, tell us a lot about money. And the reason it tells us a lot about money is because people can get uh, really caught up in, um, in, in their own riches, in, in trying to, uh, to get themselves, uh, in order to, to get themselves a, a lot more money. And they focus on that instead of focusing on God. In Ecclesiastes, uh, we're told the rich are empowered to eat from the riches and the wealth and they receive their reward uh, already here on earth. Uh, Luke tells us, Jesus says to beware of greed 
Um, the man who stores up treasure is not rich in the word of God. Uh, he also tells us in Luke that a servant, or a servant cannot serve two masters. He will devote to one and despise the other. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus tells us that uh, the, the root of all evil is, is the love of money. And he, he warns against, uh, against those who are amassing wealth for themselves when he says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. And so we're warned against uh, the, the, the pursuit of wealth because it takes us away from pursuing the truth of God. I love the passage in Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, where it says the worries of the world uh, and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the mm-hmm. word in a person's life. You know, wait a second here. Uh, all of those things they do, you, you lose your focus, you lose your perspective when you're trying to earn your way and you forget the promises that are in the word of God. Yeah. Uh, it's important for us to state here as we move on that if you're listening and you have money, mm-hmm. that that's not a sin right. to have money. Ecclesiastes says that the that money is riches are a gift from God. Mm-hmm. God has blessed you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have resources the, uh, in abundance, that's because God has blessed you with those resources. Uh, it's not a sin to have money. First uh, Timothy talked about that as well. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Uh, but it's not the money, it's the intention, it's the perspective, it's the right. view of money. And that's something that can be a real struggle for us in the churches today when we when we have bills to pay. Yeah, exactly. And when when tithing is down, mm-hmm. we we start to treat people who have more in a way that we hope that they'll give more. That's right. And so this is what was happening in the church. Hey, you're coming into church and you've got wonderful jewelry on. You, you're dressed like you're headed to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That could be too much. <laughs> quite, the, quite the outfit. But you're, you're dressed and you're really showing your, your affluent Right. You know, you're, you're rolling up to church in your Mercedes and, you know, you're wearing all the right clothes and you're, and you're looking like, you look like you're someone who has a lot of wealth. Yeah. And, and you, you're the usher in the church and you're like, wow, look at Joe, Mm -hmm. you know, Joe in his amazing outfit, his amazing, look at, look at the world series ring. You know, there's a video of, um, Shaquille O'Neal, basketball player for the, uh, he played for Los Angeles Lakers and a number, a m- number of different things. He he created a ring for himself that is a uh, fully diamond Superman logo right. ring, which he put on his finger. Now he's a he's like seven feet tall. He's a huge man, but I saw him take that ring off and put it on just a regular size person's right. hand. And it was something like 10 pounds or, you know, (laughs) over exaggeration. But somebody comes in with 
shining diamonds mm-hmm. and beautiful jeweled rings and every they're looking so good yeah. that the usher says, I've got the perfect seat for you. Mm-hmm. You can sit right down in front. Uh, we'll clear the whole row for you. Yeah, it's all yours. And then you have somebody who comes in and they're coming in with clothes from the secondhand store. Mm-hmm. Not a problem to come with those clothes. Yeah. But you come in and, and there was a school book my, my kids read called The Paper Bag Princess. Yeah. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. The cover of the book was the princess was in a paper bag. Mm-hmm. And you come in like the paper bag princess and the usher looks at the paper bag princess and says, listen, I've got a good seat for you as well. It's actually outside the door mm-hmm. and I'll let you peek in around and sort of see and listen to what's happening. Right. But no, we're, we got to save the good seats for the people wearing Gucci. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Gucci? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, that's kind of what, what we've got going on here. So that starts with our attitude. Right. And, and our, what are we viewing and what is the hope that is going to happen when we look at that person that way? Yeah. What, it, what in essence do you think the people want? What did they want out of this? Well, the people who are coming in dress this way, know that they're going to get this preferential treatment. They're looking to increase their power and their influence. And so they're entering the synagogues, they're entering the churches dressed in a certain way that they know that they're going to get that attention. And what's happening is, is they're getting exactly what they want, that they're getting the influence, they're getting the attention uh, from the people of the church. Uh, They're giving them preferential treatment because they think that they can get something out of them, that they're trying to position themselves in a place of of power and of influence. So, yeah, and and a true understanding of favoritism is not looking at the internal. Mm -hmm. It's looking at the external, the superficial things of the individual and then judging that individual by those superficial things and then giving them different treatment based on the way that they look Mm -hmm. and appear. The sin in this is not that you're rich, not that you're poor, it's that you're judging people based on the way that they look. I mean, that is awful. Mm -hmm. First John chapter 4. Let's look up 1 John chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. Uh, he says, we are from God, uh, and he who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So our main role here, and as we'll come to those verses, is love. Mm -hmm. Love for God and love for others. Not showing favoritism, partiality. Right. God shows no partiality. And we want to look at that for a moment. Mm -hmm. What is God's view? What is the view of God when it comes to money? Well, God gives us the proper perspective in in chapter one when he talks about 
the brother in, in humble circumstances and the rich man who, who is to glory in his humiliation. That they're, they're both, their status uh, on, on earth doesn't matter to God. God is concerned only with uh, their position in him. And so that's the proper perspective that we're supposed to have uh, when it comes to viewing people. So whatever you're dressed, however you're dressed or whatever you have in your pocket shouldn't, should matter less than, uh, than who we are in Jesus Christ. The verse that uh, I keep thinking and coming back to is it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom mm-hmm. of God uh, because you can't serve God and you can't serve wealth. Yeah. Uh, the other passage that we looked at and we addressed, uh, I think earlier, is Proverbs. We just want to reiterate that, that riches will help no one in the day of wrath. Proverbs chapter 11 and chapter 23. The one who trusts in riches will fall. Don't weary yourself to gain wealth because it's easily gone. And God's view is, again, he's looking at the internal. That's right. Not the external. Mm -hmm. In this case, external. I'm judging you based on what you look like. Yeah. Whether you're wearing a paper bag or whether you're wearing top-of-the-line clothing. Mm -hmm. God... He looks right through the clothing. He doesn't care about your, your outward look. He cares about your heart. Yeah. He cares whether you're following the law. Mm-hmm. We see a, a really good example of believers coming together and, and not caring about wealth and poverty. Uh, when you look at the early church in Acts, they came together and those who had gave to the church um, so that everyone could have, that, that no one was going to go without. And... Uh, and we've we've come to an understanding that this is written by uh, James, the brother of of Jesus, uh, and probably written sometime uh, before 50 A.D., which is only around 30 years since that early church in Acts. So they have gotten it very wrong, very quickly. And it's easy to say, yeah, those guys certainly messed up. Uh, but we have to look at ourselves in this, and it's this is something that is uh, that is so hard for us to do, especially as uh, people who work and live in ministry, um, that we understand that uh, that we don't we don't get money from the government. We're we're only getting money from from people who are willing to give, and and so sometimes it's it's hard for us uh, as pastors or as ministry people to uh, um, to let those people with wealth uh, to treat them just like everybody else, because they have something that we so desperately need to continue our, our ministry work. But uh, the ministry work that we're called to is to uh, to visit, to help the orphans and the widows and, and to help those people that are in need. Yeah. And, it, you know, if this is sort of this conversation we're having about money, which conversations about money are always difficult yeah. conversations. But if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, my goodness, I would love to get a better perspective on on. God's view of money mm-hmm. and God's view of riches. We have a 40-minute Bible study uh, called Money and Possessions. A fantastic Bible study. Uh, it's as convicting as James yeah. on uh, how to steward your resources and how to uh, have a good godly perspective in that. And in verse 5 there, chapter 2, Listen, my beloved brethren, did God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? 
which he promised to those he loved. Again, this is a this is a reiteration of what he said in chapter one mm-hmm. about position. You know, the poor are to uh, celebrate in their heavenly position right. versus their earthly position. And so then you have, uh, but verse six contrast. You've dishonored the poor man. It, is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Mm-hmm. So the funny part about all this is you're treating them in a way that, you know, you want to show favoritism to them, give them position. But then one of the indicators as I studied verse 6 is that as the Jew, the Messianic Jews were furthering the gospel, mm-hmm. it was the rich unbelievers who were dragging the believers into court yeah. for whatever. Yeah. And so you're focusing on the people and mm-hmm. and the enemies of the gospel are in that circle. Right. And it says, do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? Mm-hmm. They're enemies of the gospel. Yeah. And they're dragging you, a believer, into the courts for what you believe, for who you follow, and yet you're showing favoritism to the rich right. over the poor because of an outward versus an inward. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Let's look at, chap- let's look at verse 8. Mm. What's verse 8? It says, If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, uh, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law of the transgressors. So we've got right there that I love how he brings in the law here. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jewish believers, let me go back to what you know yeah. and point you out to these commands that he's given. So you're breaking the law, yeah. the commandments of God, if you show favoritism. Yeah. And so what did uh, some cross-reference we could kind of look at regarding... Um, verse 8. Well, if you, if you go back to uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 19, verse 18, it says, um, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we have this, this law from the very beginning. A lot of people think, well, those, that's what Jesus said. But Jesus was pointing back to even the law of his father was that that people are to love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love that Job chapter 34 verse 19 says, Who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich above the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. Mm -hmm. Shows no partiality between the rich and the poor. Yeah. Yeah, according to God, they're they're all the same, right? They're all they're all His children. They're not any better or any worse just because they have or they don't have. So again, like what He's saying is, you're breaking the law. Yeah, you're breaking the commandments of of God. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really great is Jesus reiterated this that was in Deuteronomy. Reiterates it in the Gospels. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That gets your heart right. Yeah. Gets your heart focused on God. Gives you a God 
an eternity focus, a perspective from heaven. Mm -hmm. And then the great, the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So your love for God should produce a love for your neighbor. Exactly. Therefore, all your neighbors and not just those who have money. Yeah, not just the ones that can benefit you. And I think that's, that's the issue is that they're showing favoritism in order to get something. The, the poor people can't offer them anything, so they don't give them any attention or any time. Yeah, and then in chapter uh, 2, verses 11 and 12, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. Mm-hmm. So, so verses 10 and 11, I like to basically say that 8 and 9, you broke the law. Right. Verses 10 and 11, James is holding you accountable to the law. Right. So you broke it. Now, oh, I only broke one. Mm-hmm. No, no, you broke one. You broke them all. You're a lawbreaker. So, and then what do we have in these final two verses? In verse 12 and 13, he says, So speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I think what we have is we have a call back again to chapter 1. Speak and act as one, as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. And we, we saw in chapter 1 that James tells us that we are to be doers of the word, that we are to look intently at the perfect law, at the law of liberty, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but by becoming an effectual doer, that we are to live as though we are judged by the law of liberty. Well, wait a minute, Derek. I thought Jesus came, and when he came, the law is no longer. That's an old covenant. Right. However... Uh, what we ha- what we have through Jesus Christ is a uh, not a freedom from the law, but a new freedom to the law. That um, through Jesus Christ, from the the Word, the Gospel, combined with uh, the law, changes our hearts so that we are no longer obligated. We no longer have to obey the law. But our hearts are changed. Uh, I mean, the prophets say that that the, the, the laws will be written on our hearts instead of on our minds. And we will have a desire. We will want to follow the laws of God. Just because we are receivers of grace does not, uh, does not mean that we no longer have to uh, follow uh, the, the way that God wants us to live our life. Right. You know, Jesus, when he was alive, he went to Galilee and uh, he stood on the Mount Beatitudes Mm -hmm. and he preached a sermon. And in that sermon, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, this is what he said Mm -hmm. regarding the law. He said, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. One of the things is that just because Jesus came and died on the cross Mm -hmm. does not mean that the law, the old covenant is gone. And so there's still a call to obey the law. Mm -hmm. And that's really the thing. I think Paul in Romans, when he was addressing the antinomians who who thought that they could keep on sinning because as they sinned, grace would abound. So the more I sin, the better God looks. Right. And Paul, his response was, no, may it never be. Yeah. You're still, you're under grace, but you're governed by law. Mm-hmm. And that's really what he's saying here in these passages, under grace, governed by law. Right. Therefore, when you break a law and you don't obey God, um, it's a problem. Yeah. And so now that law of liberty, as you explained, there's freedom in Christ, Mm -hmm. but still law to obey. Right. And so it's so vital that we know that. And what he's calling out in these first 13 verses, you broke the law. Yeah. You've broken one of the great commandments. He calls it the royal law. The royal law, yeah. You know, this law that is kingly that comes not from what man has made this is a law that's been given by god himself and so it's a huge thing but it's almost it's almost worse to break the law on this side of the cross because previously it was just the things that you did now it's an issue of your heart if you're breaking the law it's because you're rejecting what god has done for you uh, and so now it's not just an issue of the things that you do. It's now an issue of your heart. How do you feel towards God? Well, if you're willing to break his law, then you're saying that what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ, uh, actually isn't that big of a deal. And so I can just you know, I can just break some of those laws. And so uh, now it's not about just the things you do. It's about why you do those things. Now it's not to be saved. It's because we have been saved. Right, so now we lock it in, mm-hmm. and we, we lock in this whole law, the law of liberty, the law that shows us our sin, the law that Moses received on Mount Sinai that you know they were to obey, that Jesus didn't come to abolish but fulfill. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to connect it to chapter 1. Right. And so back in chapter 1, verse 25, but... The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. That's the second time Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen the law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Mm -hmm. So the connector now is now not just being a hearer of the word and uh, as I've explained before, and I, I haven't done it on the podcast, but a Bible head, you right. know, somebody who knows all of the truths of God's word, somebody who has got them all implanted in their head, they haven't got it in their heart. And therefore, because it's not in their heart, they're actually uh, not doers of the word. They just walk around like they know everything. Mm-hmm. And so this again brings us back to if you are properly not showing favoritism you're treating the rich and the poor equally mm-hmm. not showing partiality and if you're loving your neighbor as yourself 
you are fulfilling the law, therefore being a doer right. of the word. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely amazing how it all connects together. Yeah. So I think that uh, this has been a good week. Yeah. Very yeah. convicting once again. <laughs> Super convicting. James holds nothing back. Yeah. And, and the interesting part is if we wanted to give application... I mean, we're a ministry Mm -hmm. that runs on donations. And so donations fund the ministry, um, but we don't look from our perspective to show partiality to those who would give more than another. You know, the Bible is very clear on on, uh, all gifts are from God. Exactly. And so we love all the people who give Mm -hmm. to our ministry. But it's also, as one comedian said, check your heart mm-hmm. is constantly check your heart. Right. What's your motive? Mm-hmm. What is your focus? Uh, are you treating people differently because of the way they look? Right. And if you are, how does that fit with the law yeah. of love your neighbor as yourself? Yeah, you're definitely, you're definitely miss, you're missing it because you're... You're more concerned with what you're getting from people rather than what we as disciples should be, uh, how we should be living towards other people. Well, absolutely. Well, next week, we'll dig into the final section on chapter two. Mm -hmm. Why don't you close us out in prayer? For sure. Gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity we have again to study this book of James. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's work in us as we study these uh, words of truth. Uh, I pray that as we are convicted in, uh, in any of these uh, things that we're learning, I pray that, uh, that we are doing our best in trying to, uh, to remedy those things, to fix those things, to align ourselves once again with your word. And uh, I thank you again for the opportunity that we have, the gift that you have given us uh, to have your, uh, your full revelation here in front of us that we can uh, truly know uh, who you are and who you want us to be. Almighty God, I pray that you'll be with us as we continue to study and that you will continue to reveal yourself to us. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.